You're listening to Michael Easley in Context. And now your host, Dr. Michael Easley. Hi, this is Michael Easley. Welcome to In Context. As a reminder, In Context is designed to help men and women grow in God's Word to see how it applies to our lives. We do that in a number of ways, primarily through one, expository Bible teaching, and secondly, through guest interviews. We want you to learn what the text says, as well as how people of faith apply these principles in their lives. And I'm confident as we're aligned to God's Word and to God's people to help us, we can do really well in applying Scripture in our lives today. Well, during the month of September, we're looking at Scripture and having conversations with folks about strong marriages. If you have not yet had an opportunity, I want you to stop now and go back and listen to the previous conversation that I had with Cindy Easley, my beautiful bride, and we continue that conversation in this broadcast about how marriage works in our life, the mistakes we've made, and how we try to encourage other couples in their journey. Cindy, thanks again for coming to the studio. Well, certainly my pleasure to be here with you. Now, you and I learned early on, we both had different ideas of headship and submission as as it's generally taught, the idea of the husband's the head of the home and the wife submits to the husband. That was definitely not my view. No. Really? Yeah. When I first heard the word submission, I thought of my mother, who was as meek and calm as a mouse, and my father, who was an angry man. I remember when he would come home from work, she would follow him back into the bedroom And I would hear his voice get louder and louder and never heard hers in response. Years later, when I heard the word submission, that was the picture in my mind. And I thought, if that's submission, I don't want anything to do with it. Let's begin here. Let's redefine the terms that you and I use today a little bit differently. Um, When we talk of headship or the husband being the head of the home, the word I like to use for, for our audience, meaning myself and others, is the word initiation. The idea of just being a head who commands and barks orders and is an authoritarian is typically the idea people have of headship. That's right. Submission is not a role, I argue. And we come to that conclusion, submission is a response. If submission was a role, all a person would ever say is, yes. And it's basically both headship and submission are attitudes. They're attitudes of the heart and how you treat someone for for me, it's giving you respect. It's listening to you respectfully. It's talking to you respectfully. And you show me respect as well, but it's through love. It's through care and concern. I'm not saying that a man should not respect his wife. Of course he should. I hope a man would not marry a woman he didn't respect. But that's the bottom line. That's how it flows in a marriage. That's what headship and submission look like, in that they're in tandem together. When they're working well, it's perfect. If we look at Ephesians 5, the instruction to the husband is much longer than the instruction to the wife, which I always find fascinating. But there's that landmine word, that explosive word, wise, be submissive to your husbands as unto the Lord. And You had to do some homework on that, not only for your own soul, but as you were working with other young couples, and you decided to write a book on it. I did. I I didn't want to write a book on it, but I couldn't find anyone else to do it. So (laughs) it's it's true. And, And I would have young women ask me or tell me situations in their marriage where I wouldn't have an answer. They would say, okay, Cindy, you know, you've explained submission for the first time I get it. This is what my marriage looks like. What does submission look like for me? 
And so what I did was I took the scenarios I kept hearing over and over, and I found women that were in marriages that were similar that could give me advice. These were women I knew well, women that, in my view, had strong marriages and understood the role of headship and helper, but not at all in the way the world or even some churches tell us. They understood it in respecting their husband, in letting him live in the way that God intended him to live, really almost putting the burden or the mantle of leadership on his shoulders, and yet still being free to fly in who they are. You've said submission is an attitude. Expand on that a little bit. Well, I think uh, a lot of it is, again, how you're responding in that um, when I disagree with you, it's the way in which I disagree with you. It's that I'm never demeaning to you. It's that I give you my opinion but have a tone of voice that's kind, that I don't think that I'm smarter, better, um, any of those things. And these are things I see in other wives all the time where they put their husbands down because they don't do things like they do them or they don't think like they think. Um, I think it's it's appreciating everything you do for, for me and the family and also not holding your faults in front of your face. I mean, you know your faults. I know my faults. You don't need to see them all the time. I don't need to, to show them to you. To me, that's all submission. It's that attitude of thinking about what needs do you have and honoring you and respecting you. One of the things we both have studied and taught over the years is to understand the concept about a helper. And the word helper there used in Hebrew, if you know the word, uh, here I raise my Ebenezer from the old hymn, the word etzer is the word help. In fact, the psalmist says, God is my help. From where does my help come? My help comes from God. And that same word is used there. So when we think of a woman being a helper, that sounds like a servant or a demeaning term. When in Scripture, we need somebody who has better capacity, a different perspective, a better skill set. Certainly when the psalmist says, I need help, he's asking for someone who's you know, God. He's, he has exhausted his resources. God, I need your help. So if we think about help from a, a biblical perspective, not a person that's a servant helper, but a person who brings gifts, talents, strengths, abilities, knowledge base that we don't have to a relationship, then I need your help. And, of course, that's mutual and true for all couples. We eat, need each other's help. So for me, that helps to begin the conversation. Submission isn't a negative or subservient type of attitude. It's someone helping someone else to do something they cannot do with their own resources. You know, something we used to talk about when we spoke with Family Life Weekend to remember was that the headship helper roles were like filling in the gaps. We each fill in each other's gaps because we all have them. And um, I think that's what it looks like. I think the helper is the coming alongside, encouraging you to be all that God intended you to be. And, you know, the fun secret of this is that as I have encouraged you, you have encouraged me. You have given me permission, more than permission. You have uh, almost pushed me into places where you knew I could succeed when I was afraid to. Um, whether it was teaching the Bible or public speaking or even my real estate career, every single time you have been my biggest cheerleader as I have been yours as God has led us different places and through different situations in life. So 
to me, that's what it looks like. Sounds like a good marriage. Uh, I have to be a student. Where are your strengths, gifts, talents, interests, abilities? What excites you? What discourages you? And I think for any married couple, if you study your husband, your wife, and say, how, how has God wired them? How are they gifted? What are their natural inclinations? What are things that wear them out? My goal is to be the initiator in our marriage, and I don't always like being the initiator. Sometimes I get tired of that, but I go back to that's the way God has designed this thing. Michael, it's your job. I don't think leadership is telling you to submit. I don't think leadership is making you uh, choose a particular thing, but it's taking the initiative to say, what about this? What about that? For our kids, for our lifestyle, for our next house, for whatever. The mutual part of the relationship is you got ideas and you've got fears and you've got dreams. And I need to hear those and be able to say, huh, I need to realign back to expectations what this is going to look like for the two of us. But the cool part is when we do this, it's a lot better product than if we had just done it on our own. Yeah, and vice versa. I have to be willing to listen to what you want and you think and to weigh it. Also, the encouragement. So often women hear, I need to encourage my husband, and they turn that into, I need to nag my husband. It's not nagging. It's not telling the person over and over and over. It's instead saying, I believe in you. I believe and support whatever choice you're going to make within the realm of good choices. Nothing that would be that would be wrong, but that I'm going to choose whether you choose job A or B. I'm going to support that choice because I want you to be fulfilled and you to be where God wants you to be and who God wants you to be. Now, let's go back to your book for just a, a few minutes. You you talked to, I think, what, 12 plus women? Plus. Mm-hmm. And then some of them were composite chapters. Uh, some of these stories were uh, a woman who was married to a person that didn't know Christ, mm-hmm. a woman who was married to a chronically ill person, uh, women who were married to uh, uh, those in, in military who were deployed, uh, men who were, uh, I think one was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. A woman who made significantly more money than her husband. Uh, a woman who had a nationally renowned name, and that, everyone would know her name and her husband sort of, who's he? oh, he's married to so-and-so. What were some of the trends you saw, how women understood this submissive attitude and response to those men? Well, the biggest thing is the word you said right there. It is attitude. We've talked about that from the beginning of this program. It is definitely the way that they viewed their husbands. And these women were brutally honest. And all of them talked about how they failed in this area at first and what they learned and how once they learned the biblical view of submission— how much it impacted and changed their marriage for the good. A great example is the woman who was married to the non-believer, and, and she said that so often she would demean him either to his face or, or not to his face through her actions, through the way she tried to be more pious or, you know, kind of held over him that she was a believer. And, and ironically, she did all that in her attempt to win him to Christ. But what she found is she was pushing him farther and farther away from Christ. And funny, uh, one of the things I learned from this chapter was how often as Christian women, even Christian women married to Christian men, we try to form and force their spiritual life. And we can't. All we can do is have our life with Christ and love our husbands at the point that they are with Christ. We can't make a leader 
Let me ask you some quick questions and uh, get get quick responses from you. What do you say to a, a woman who's married to a passive male? I say love him as he is. Give him time to think. To, because often passive men have a lot of deep thoughts that they're afraid to share. So give him time to talk. Give him time to think and then to form an answer and ask and be patient. What do you say to a wife who's married to a guy that he's got an eight-to-five job and he just has no energy, no interest? We might say he doesn't even care about the marriage and family. I would say to them, continue to love him, show him respect, and be the woman God wants you to be. Is there a way she can, in, in a good way, kindly, gently provoke him? I think she can invite him into things. I think it's not nagging, though. It's not saying, get up off that couch, you lazy, whatever. Having a family activity and asking him to come along or doing things in the evening that will encourage him. It's certainly not shutting down on him and going your own way or prodding him through sarcasm or anger or bitterness. Okay. What do you say to the uh, wife who's married to a husband who's verbally abusive? She needs her boundaries. I can say that any abusive situation is not submission. It's not, you are not being submissive if you just take it. That's not biblical submission. She needs very firm boundaries. She needs to talk to people for help. I think it's perfectly appropriate to separate for help. A woman has got to be able to protect herself. You know, submission isn't allowing sin. And abuse is sin, period. What would you tell a woman whose husband is uh, really busy with lots of hobbies, uh, gone all the time, whether it's, you know, a sport or a toy or toys, and he's sort of pulled into this world where that takes all his time? I would say if she can enter into it with him, do it. If it's something that she can learn to love. I know that that at one point in our marriage, we both wrote down everything that we would want to do and then we traded the lists and we put a from a minus five to a plus five. And we found things that were about at a plus two or three for both of us. And we did those things together. So, you know, part of this is just encouraging growth together. Most men relate shoulder to shoulder, not face to face. So women who constantly are trying to prod their husbands to sit down and talk or to do things that are that are face to face might be missing a chance, an opportunity, if they could find a hobby or something that their husband loves to do and learning to do it with them. And and they may be surprised that they would actually enjoy it. What do you tell the wife whose husband has lost interest in her sexually? I would say first thing is that you might encourage him to have a doctor's appointment and to find out if there's anything going wrong with him physically. Wouldn't that like set him off and be a threat and freak him out? It could, but I I think it's how you do it. It's that you do it with love and you say, I'm concerned about you. It's not going in with hurt feelings and, you know, why don't you find me sexually attractive anymore? It's going with him. It's loving him that way. We could talk a lot more about biblical submission and what it means to be a leader. And I want to shamelessly encourage you to buy Cindy's book, Dancing with the One You Love. It's an extraordinary read, and you're going to hear from women who are in what we might call non-typical marriages and how they navigate biblical submission. They want to honor Christ. They want to honor the Word, but it's not as easy as it is maybe for some marriages. So I think it'll be a very helpful resource. If you go to michaelincontext.com to the resource page, you can find it there, and we'd love for you to get a copy and tell us what you think. 
Thanks for joining the broadcast. This is Michael Easley in Context. If you listen to our podcast on iTunes, would you take a minute to rate and review our show? We love reading your feedback, and this helps the show become more discoverable for other listeners. Thanks again for listening.